This message comes to you from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon, where we are committed to living like Jesus and sharing His love. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. Well, as we are in these uh, Beatitudes, the theme of our series, we're talking about real life, and that is giving up our entire life so that we can receive His real life. And uh, we're a few weeks into this, and uh, today I have uh, one that I'm going to look at, and I hope you'll just allow me to kind of soak this into us here so we can receive from uh, Jesus' teaching this morning. These, these are called Beatitudes. That's like, uh, it comes from a Latin word that means blessed. But the word that Jesus used here when he starts each one of these verses with blessed, you know, and some translations say blessed, some say happy, but it's really impossible to find a, an English word that is the real equivalent of the word Jesus used. In fact, the people that were listening to him teach these things would have been surprised that he used this word. Because in the Greek language and in their literature, this word never applied to them. This word for blessed or happy was only ever used for the gods, like only the gods could be that happy, or the dead, which I don't know about that, but anyway, it was not a word that they used to describe their lives. So when Jesus used this word, it's like, you can be happy as the gods. Now, Jesus didn't believe in the great gods or anything, and by the way, when you read some of their stories, I'm not sure they were happy all the time, but, but anyway, the, the word that, that is used here is just kind of unusual, and, and sometimes in the New Testament that happens, you know, where God would just take a word and kind of give it his own meaning, and, and Jesus does this here. And, and I think the, the whole point here is Jesus came to introduce us to a quality of life that transcends anything that we could experience without him. How many of you found that that's true? That once you came to Jesus and surrendered your life to him, you started enjoying a life that you didn't know before. How many were kind of miserable before Jesus stepped in? Yeah, it's like when we're selfish and stupid, life doesn't go very well, you know. But when Jesus comes and frees us from that selfishness and viewing ourselves as the center of the universe, it's all about me, you know, that, that then life could actually become what God intended it to be, this real life, this ideal life. And so when Jesus uses this word, it was kind of a, it was kind of a challenging kind of concept. It's like Jesus came to introduce the real life that God intended us to live, free from sin, free from selfishness, and all the baggage and damage that comes with that. So also in this series, you know, we're using kind of the snapshot kind of uh, a picture, and you see that, uh, you know, behind me here. And generally, you know, when we think of our life having these special moments, we think of all the positive things. You know, uh, I'm, I'm really enjoying Instagram now, you know, which you get these pictures on your phone, it kind of updates, you know, what's going on in people's lives. But I notice that the Instagram pictures are the positive things, like a birthday or a baby being born or a graduation, a lot of those this weekend, you know, just, they're the, or, you know, some of them are like food you're eating, come on, you know, but... Uh, <laughs> Anyway, by the way, if you want your pictures to be liked on Instagram, make sure there's a face in the picture. It's 66 times percent more likely to be liked by somebody if that matters to you. Anyway, fun facts with Ken today. <laughs> but, but the point is, what you don't see is, a, is an Instagram picture like, this is me having a bad day. Or this is me with a bad attitude. Or this is me being cranky with my kids. You know, or this is, you know, it's like, we want the snapshots to, to be the good things, the positive things, and, and rightly so. And Jesus said that he came to give us life and life more abundant. So there's nothing wrong with expecting to have greater joy and greater peace and greater fulfillment walking in the Lord. Absolutely nothing wrong with that desire. But just like we saw in the humorous video clip, sometimes the real life that Jesus brings, he allows there to be some things that are uncomfortable. 
And so today we're actually going to go to the beatitude that's kind of the most challenging here in this regard. It's in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 10, where Jesus said this, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I didn't put it on the slide here, but he goes on. This is the only beatitude he kind of expands and says some more about. Verse 11, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, th this is a challenging one. You know, you kind of can get into the, okay, well, you're blessed if you're humble, and you're blessed if you repent of your sin, and, you know, some, and if you're pure in heart, you know, and, and good, I want to inherit the earth, and, I, you know, I want to see God. And, and this is, though, the one that's kind of a little more challenging. And maybe that's why Jesus explains it a little more. But um, what's happening here, and th this is really, uh, the subtitle today is Real Life, A Life That Stands at All Costs. And Jesus is being honest with his disciples and with us that to follow him may at some point entail suffering. Like he's being real about the life of a disciple. But he also quickly adds more to the beatitude than any other to kind of help us understand how this can be a blessing and how this could be that quality of, that quality of heart and, and even the word blessed here has the idea that there's this inner joy and peace that is totally not dependent on the circumstances around you. That things can be going sideways around you, but on the inside, you can be okay. Things on the outside are not very good, but on the inside, you can be good. Why? Because Christ lives in you, because the Holy Spirit dwells in you, because Jesus thinks he's greater than all the stuff that goes on. He can fix all the stuff outside of us. So when we're tuned into him on the inside, we're not dependent on the outside. How many of you find that to be a Christian, you've got to learn this lesson? You've got to, when things are going crazy around, you've got to stay at peace within. And when things are negative out there, you stay positive in here. That, that's what Jesus comes to do, to free us from being dependent on what's going on around us so that life around us does not control us. It's our relationship with Christ that controls us. And in this way, wow, something new and different can be displayed in the world. A quality of life that is unknown apart from this connection to this higher eternal life that comes to us through Christ. Well, when we stand for righteousness, there is sometimes opposition that'll try to knock us down in regard to our faith. When you stand against the tide of what's going on in the world, when you take a stand for Christ, sometimes things will happen that, that put pressure on you or, or like a blow to your life. Maybe it's unexpected or, or something that just, you know, goes sideways or you're trying to do right and somebody takes it wrong or somebody misunderstands. And I don't, I don't know if uh, this is a very good analogy for you, but when I was a little kid, one of my favorite toys, like I was a little guy about this tall, so one of my favorite toys was this kind of this blow-up clown doll. I got a picture of one here. The one I had, I think, was Bozo. And it's filled with air, but the bottom of it is weighted. Anybody ever seen one of these? Okay, you know. And it was so much fun, you know, because you could, I could punch that clown right in the kisser, you know. I could punch that clown with that stupid grin on his face. You know, I, I could just punch that clown and he'd go over, you know, and then pop back up because of the weight at the bottom. And you punch it again, and you know, I used to have so much fun. The only way I could win against it, though, was just tackle it down to the ground. You know, anybody else ever done this? You know, 
I, I think these are still around, although there's different versions available today. Like you can get the image of your favorite sports rival team, you know, or I, get, I think you can actually put your ex-boyfriend on one if you want to, <laughs> you know. <laughs> okay, well, that's not the point of what I'm, I'm trying to make here. I've got to flip this here. No, the point is, is that when you have Christ as the center of your life, when he's the weight that, that keeps you centered and balanced, it doesn't matter what life brings and what blow comes and what tries to knock down your faith and your trust and confidence in God. There's a power in you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And even though you're weak, he is made strong in your weakness. And there can be this bounce back in our spirit where we don't just lay there like, oh, wow, life is horrible. I can't believe what happened to me where we just lay there in self-pity or faithlessness or negativity. We bounce back and say, God is on the throne and he's on my side and this is not the end. I'm gonna take my heart to God like David did and I'm gonna see God come through because he's defeated any enemy that could ever come against me, amen? We're all like Bozo, I guess. <laughs> we know how to bounce back. Well, Jesus went further than this in this teaching here. He actually says, in the explanation a couple verses later, he, he went so far as to say that we should rejoice when we have this opportunity. Like we should be happy about this? That's weird. Happy when something tries to knock you down, happy when there's persecution, happy when there's opposition. And he said, he said rejoice and be exceedingly glad. And here he uses the most extreme word for joy found in his language. And the word literally means to, to jump around for joy, like. <laughs> so in the Greek lexicon, next to this Greek word, there's a picture of the Snoopy dance. <laughs> Not really, you know. That's, but this is what I imagine in my life, you know, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. It's like, any of you have your own version of the Snoopy dance? Mine's not very cool. I'm getting old, but, you know. Actually, I don't think I'm going to demonstrate it. <laughs> but if you could just imagine just, just being so excited, like a little child, you're like, you know, just, you know. Now, when persecution and misunderstanding and being mis misjudged and you're trying to do right and somebody returns wrong, like, we're supposed to dance around with happiness? I guess we always knew Jesus was from a different planet. You know, like, this does not compute. Like, whoa, uh, this is a different way of thinking. How would you agree this is a different way of thinking? I don't know about you, but I'm not there yet. Uh, for me, it's just enough of a battle to be trusting God that something good can come of this. How do you find that when something really hits you hard in life, just getting yourself to, and, and maybe you're doing better with practice, you know, where your default is to trust God rather than to get all miserable and start complaining and blaming God. And it's like trusting God. Yeah, that, I, I get that. I need to trust God because he'll bring me through. But this is tough and I don't feel good and this is uncomfortable. It's like, but I know God's with me and I know that, okay, let me go find one of those Psalms to read that'll encourage me. I can't say that when something like this happens, I'm always just immediately kind of giddy and doing my Snoopy dance. <laughs> now, this is not some kind of weird, masochistic kind of thing that Jesus is promoting. I don't think we're supposed to love pain. That's weird. 
But there can be a presence and a power in your life that transcends the pain. This is actually possible. So what I'd like to do is, uh, I'd like to share with you what I think are some of the blessings of suffering. Of, and I'm, we're talking about suffering for righteousness' sake, or as Jesus said in the next verse, suffering for my sake. And so I, I just want to share some of these, because maybe it can help us move towards having the same kind of mindset towards opposition that, that Jesus actually has. The first one is the privilege of joining His cause. Now, this is a privilege, the privilege of joining His cause. What is His cause? Well, He came to rid the world of evil. He came to get rid of all the unrighteousness, all the selfishness, and all the stuff that just has such a devastating effect on people. And by the way, the world is not right yet. If you haven't noticed, there's evil in the world, and the damage it does to people is horrendous. Have you noticed? I mean, we like to think things are better because, you know, we have I everything now, but, you know, it's like, no, there, there's some problems in the world. There's people's lives who are devastated by real evil, and, and Jesus came to fix that. He came to change that. There's a conflict in the world right now between good and evil, and, and this conflict is very real, and you cannot, cannot isolate yourself from it or escape it. Evil is exhausting itself, trying to destroy all that is good. And, and, you know, those who try to remain neutral are only assisting evil in its quest. And I know it's like, well, I don't want to be in the fight here and somebody else can take care of that. It's like, I just want to sit back on the sideline and be comfortable here. Just give me my popcorn and my coat and let, let me watch somebody else duke it out, you know? We can't be Switzerland. I don't mean anything disparaging towards Switzerland. It's a wonderful country, big mountains, beautiful, etc. And a year ago, I was in a sister church of ours speaking, and I met the Swiss ambassador and his wife. They're wonderful, godly people. So I, I mean nothing disparaging to Switzerland, but listen, when it comes to the conflict between good and evil, that is a struggle that's going to end in eternity, you can't sit on the sideline because to try to be neutral in that struggle is to help evil. One side's going to win. We know which side, of course. So if you've decided no longer to be neutral, then what remains is for us to choose a side. Having chosen the side of good, it would be naive to think that evil would take no notice. In all honesty, Jesus is cluing us in that to suffer for the sake of right is the confirmation of our enlistment on the side of right. This is so significant in his eyes that he deems it a cause for celebration. We're on his team. We're on his side. We're in the fray with him. We've decided to cast our lot in with his. We've decided to believe that he will win, that he will triumph, and we're going to be with him in that victory. And we're not going to sit back and say, well, I hope you take care of this, Jesus, but I just want to be comfortable. Just give me beautiful mountains and let me sit this out. No, no, no. Jesus actually, from Jesus' point of view, when we step in with him and say, you know what, you want to save the world, you're trying to change the world, you want to defeat evil, you want light to shine in darkness, I'm in. And Jesus says, come on, join the party. Party? Yeah. Don't you dance at parties? Join the party. We're going to conquer evil. We're going to win. But there's suffering. Ah, no big deal. We're going to win. 
but there's pain. It'll all be healed. You'll be fine for eternity. Don't worry about it. It's just for a short season. Right? Isn't this the counsel of Scripture? Isn't this what Jesus says to us? It's like he wants us to be so committed to him and to his cause that we're actually happy to suffer for it. We're actually kind of happy about that. I got to be in the battle today. I had a chance to triumph over evil. I had the chance to stand up when something was trying to knock me down. I had the chance to prove that the power of God is greater than the power of evil. I had a chance to stand for him and stay righteous and stay right in the eyes of God even though that temptation came, tried to get me. You know, it's like, this is a privilege. You know, uh, to have to suffer persecution is like to share in the great occasion. You know, when there's some big deal going on, some great occasion, you know, you like you got tickets to the Super Bowl or whatever you think would be a great event to try to attend. There's, there's something thrilling about that, like being a part of a great occasion or at least getting to watch one. But how much more when you actually get to participate in the great occasion? I mean, it's one thing to be sitting in the stands watching the, it's another thing to actually be in the game. And I think we get too accustomed. I just just want to watch from the stands or I just want to watch the video. I like reality TV because it's somebody else's reality. It makes me feel better. When are you going to live real life? When are you going to get in the game? When are you going to be a part of something real rather than just watching? Jesus is calling us out of the stands to say, come on down here. You want to be a part of this? I'm telling you, this could be so much fun. We're going to beat up the devil. We're going to conquer evil. We're going to save the world. You want in? Come on, this is going to be great. You'll never know any other kind of fulfillment than you will if you participate me as we destroy evil and wipe it out and free everybody and go to heaven in a big party. Am I still sounding weird? (laughs) Jesus actually compares his followers to the prophets. He says, okay, so they pick on you. So, so not everybody gets it. It's okay. You're just in there with the prophets who suffered for me. You're a part of a great team. You have the same honor with them. And it's like, prophets, didn't they kill them? Yeah, but it's okay because it's really great. <laughs> if you lose your life, you'll find it. And if you'll stand for righteousness, you'll be a part of the victory. You'll be like those others in Hebrews 11 who did not accept deliverance from their pain so they could obtain a better resurrection, whatever that is. Sounds good, though. Like like people who could see beyond the now, who could see beyond the conflict, who could see beyond themselves. Prophets, they they could see that this was going to be worth it. What a privilege. Sure quiet in here. Got the tree full of owls thing going on right now. You know, it's like, okay. <laughs> I bet when Jesus taught this, it kind of went quiet at that point. No wonder he had to fill in a few more verses to get them back. You know, it's like, what? <laughs> a second blessing here is the opportunity to show our loyalty to Christ. 1 Peter 4.14 says, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. I guess Peter got this beatitude thing, was passing on here. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he's blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. Wow. The opportunity to show that you care more about what Jesus thinks than what anybody else thinks. 
You care more about his favor than anyone else's favor. Sometimes life presents, and I think maybe he even allows us to have these opportunities. Maybe your boss is pressuring you to do something illegal or unethical, or you know, maybe you're in a situation where there's someone that has influence in your life and, and the pressure is going the wrong direction. You have to make a choice. You know, am, I, am I gonna please Jesus right now or I'm gonna give in to the peer pressure or the, the, the leverage that's on my life? I, I just talked to someone recently who was in a situation where they, they're, they're having to quit their f- favorite job they've ever had in their whole life because the boss is pressuring them to do something that would be so misrepresent Christ. That can happen in a fallen world. Is that the end of life? Like, oh man. No, Jesus says, Snoopy dance. I don't feel very Snoopy. It doesn't matter. That means you need to connect to me better because right now I'm excited about the possibility that you with me are gonna stand in a real situation for what is right, for what is true, and I'm telling you, the light that's gonna shine through now is gonna blow away this darkness. Come on, let's go, turn on the light. All right. That's getting better than the owls. It's like, okay. (laughs) The third blessing here is it's a mark of godliness. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, all who will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. It's like a promise. I know when you have those promise boxes of verses, you know, we usually don't put this one in there. You know, and there's, and by the way, there's plenty of other promises that, that are much more enjoyable than this, but, but it says, all who will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. It's like a mark of godliness. Jesus, when Jesus came into the world, he was like a straight stick among a bunch of crooked sticks. And until he showed up, all us crooked sticks thought we were okay. And then you put a straight stick in the middle of it, it's like, oh, maybe we're not okay after all, because there's something that's actually better, Jesus. And when you become like Christ, you become the straight stick in the middle of crooked ones. And it's like, that kind of gets noticed. And not everybody likes it. You mean I'm a crooked stick? It doesn't, you don't have to go around telling people they are. You just shine your light and they kind of figure it out. And, I, you know, we're not supposed to be around, you know, talking down to people and putting people down, trying to make them feel bad. It's like, no, just shine the light of Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit will say, uh, you're, you're weird. You need to change to people who need to. I'll come back to that. This mark of godliness, it's, it's like the privilege of allowing God to work in us so that we become a vessel of honor. And it's allowing God to do whatever it takes to make us more like Christ. I, I think of David, uh, you know, when Saul was chasing him around. And 1 Samuel 18, such a great chapter for this. Because David didn't do anything to deserve the mistreatment from Saul. I mean, all he did is kill Goliath for him and defeat the Philistines and was a faithful servant, played his harp, drove the evil spirits away, cheered him up. You know, David only did good things. And yet Saul just, he went crazy and he was just like, and he took it out on David and he threw spears at him and chased him around, did, plotted his death, etc. And in 1 Samuel 18, it kind of ping-pongs back and forth between Saul does something and then David responds and then Saul reacts and David responds. And all the way through that, everything it says about David was good. Saul throws a spear, David, you know, Saul, you know, is upset at him and Saul gets jealous and it says, and David behaved himself wisely. And then Saul gets weird, weirder and then more afraid of him. And then it says, and David behaved even more wisely and the favor of God was upon him. It's like, 
fact, his goodness was provoking something in Saul. Now, let me just fill something in here. There's no glory if you suffer for being stupid. If you're selfish and ungodly and you suffer as the result of that, there's no glory in that. So I'm not saying, hey, do something to provoke people. No, that's not what Jesus is promoting here. Like, hey, if you make somebody mad at you, that's good. No, no, we're not trying to make anybody mad at us, all right? But sometimes when we're reflecting Christ, it can upset something. What was David, you know, what was David going through? Well, God was using this outer Saul to kill the inner Saul and David because God didn't want David to grow up to be King Saul II. So sometimes God will use the external pressure to deal with internal things in us so that we can be more like Christ. And what a privilege it is to have the selfishness processed out of us so we can be more selfless like Jesus. The fourth blessing here, the fourth way that you know, suffering can be a blessing is the fellowship of his suffering. First Peter 4, verse 12, Beloved, don't think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. It's like he's quoting the Beatitude, isn't it? Peter did learn some things, by the way. We always kind of pick on him as being the guy that didn't get it, but read his letter. He got it, and he lived this out as well. Philippians 3, Paul got this when he, he, verses 7 to 11, he says, I count all things as loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. A couple verses later, verse 10, he says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I might attain to the resurrection from the dead. Fellowship of his suffering. I want the power of his resurrection. You ever pick and choose what parts of phrases in the Bible you really like? The power of his resurrection. Oh, that sounds awesome. Fellowship is, well, how do you know the resurrection if you aren't killed? If you don't die to yourself, if you're not willing to suffer some kind of loss. Jesus promises that we'll never suffer alone. When we stand for him, Christ will always be near. He's, remember the three guys in the fiery furnace and the fourth man appeared? You know, it's like when you're going through a fiery trial, he'll be right there with you. You won't go through it on your own. He's not, he's not stepping back to make sure you prove yourself worthy. He's right there with us. And by the way, there's something really important here, and that is that we understand how worth it it is for the sake of our relationship to him and our closeness to him and our participation with him, how worth it it is to go through things that make that experience of his presence even more real. Back in the 70s, I was watching a uh, sports anthology show, and they were interviewing a, a track athlete from the University of Oregon. He was a discus thrower uh, who was in a couple of Olympics, won a couple medals, and, and uh, his name's Mac Wilkins. He's actually been here in Portland the last few years coaching throwers over at University of Concordia, Concordia University. And back then, to go to the Olympics, you had to be an amateur athlete. You couldn't make any money off of your talent, no endorsement contracts, nobody could pay you. So. So, unless you were from the Soviet Union, then they paid for you. But anyway, <laughs> I'm not bitter about that. <laughs> anyway, it's 
different day now, but back then, if you wanted to be an amateur athlete, go to the Olympics, track and field, you, you'd kind of basically lived in poverty. Nobody could help you out. He'd graduated with a degree. He could have had a great income. And this guy's in his one room hole of a place that he's living in, very austere, doesn't have any money. He's disciplining himself. He's, he's sacrificing so much just to go to the Olympics. And the reporter with the camera, you know, he's listing all the sacrifices he's making and kind of like, like who would, who would want to do this, you know? And, and Mac interrupted him, I'll never forget this. He says, you don't get it, do you? And the reporter's like, no, I don't. You know? He's like, you don't get it. If you want something bad enough, the price you have to pay to get it is no big deal. I remember the Holy Spirit just taking those words and burning them into my spirit. If you want something bad enough, the price you have to pay to get it is no big deal. How bad do we want to be with Christ? How bad do we want to walk with him? How bad do we want to represent him in the world? How bad do we want to be an instrument in his hand? If we really want to help him save the world, change the world, make it a better place, then the price we have to pay, come on, no big deal. The fifth blessing here is to influence others. First Peter 3, verse 13 to 17 talks about this and about suffering for righteousness sake and then being able to give a defense to those who don't understand. And I think sometimes God allows us to face things that are difficult as an opportunity to minister to others. Like for instance, why would Jesus, who came to give you this abundant life, allow somebody to offend you? It's not because he doesn't love you. It's not because he's trying to make your life miserable. He's like, yeah, you know, I got slapped around. I want you to experience that too. You know, that, no, that's, that's not the point. Now, why, why would he allow it? Because he wants to give you an opportunity to heal them with forgiveness. Forgiveness is using the offenses of others as an opportunity to heal them. That's what Jesus did from the cross. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And we're like, Father, kill them because they're hurting me. Wait a minute. I remember this uh, story I read in a, in a magazine a long time ago. It was a true story of a, of a, a man who was uh, in the army and he was newly married. He and his wife were both Christians and they were stationed in Germany with NATO forces back in Cold War days. And uh, they'd been there not very long, a few months if I remember right, and a horrible thing took place. So tragic. His wife was attacked brutally, viciously, assaulted, raped, and murdered. It was horrible. And the man who did it was caught and incarcerated. And this husband, who's lost his wife in this horrible fashion, kept pursuing the authorities to arrange an opportunity to talk to his wife's murderer. And of course, they don't want to let that happen, but it took some doing. I'll shorten the story here. And he ended up being able to meet with his wife's murder. He, in this prison, it's arranged, and here they are in the same room. And I remember as I was reading this, I, I remember just started shaking, you know, just like, well, because what he did is he, he said to the man, he said, you know, I'm, I really appreciate you being willing to meet with me because there's something really important I have to tell you. And he was honest with you. He says, you know, what you did was unthinkable, it was devastating, I, I don't know how to recover from it. But I need you to look me in the eye because I need to say something to you. Finally their eyes met, the guy was looking down, their eyes met and he said, he said this, he says, 
Because Jesus Christ has forgiven me of all the ways I have devastated his heart with my sin, I can say to you today, I forgive you. I remember just shaking, thinking, man, I'm not that good of a Christian. I want to kill that guy. And yet Jesus, what did he do from the cross? By the way, that murderer that day repented of his sin and accept Jesus as the Lord of his life. Forgiveness is the most powerful force in the universe. It's what's saving the world. And we think, well, but I don't want to have to do that. Burn me once, my fault. Burn me twice, your fault. You know, it's like we come up with other things, not really in the Bible, you know, but we come up with other ways of thinking about this when God is saying, do you want to save the world with me? Yeah! Let's sing songs. Yeah! Okay, let's forgive somebody. No. <laughs> Let me bless your finances. Yes! I want you to give it away, sacrifice. No. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Could keep going with those, but I'm flying low enough already. You know, it's like. <laughs> Two of our PVC students two years ago were in downtown Portland just wanting an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody and they came across five teenage boys who were down there with their skateboards tricking around and stuff and they came up to him and said, can we talk to you? And they said, yeah, okay, you know. And they, so they said, we want to talk to you about Jesus. And then the, the five kids just started mocking them. I mean, really mocking them. Oh, God's not real. You know, what are you, you know they, they, were, they were being mocked. One of the guys, you know, was kind of praying and he felt like the Holy Spirit gave him a word of knowledge, so he, he stopped him. He says, hey, let me just, let me, let me ask you one question. He goes to this one kid, and he says, do you have a problem with your ankle? And the kid's like, yeah, how did you know that? He says, I think the Lord just, God just told me that you have a problem with your ankle, and he's going to prove himself to you that he is real. Would you let me pray for your ankle? The guys were kind of quiet, like, he says, what, what you afraid? <laughs> no, I'm not afraid. So he prays for the ankle. It's instantly, totally healed. The kid's like, he's like, all five kids got saved right there on the street. Now listen. They were being mocked, but that didn't matter. And here we're like, yeah, well, I, you know, after these verses, Jesus goes into salt and light, and that's the next teaching. You know, it's like, Yes, I, I want to be a light in the darkness. Okay, well, well, I'm, I'm just going to win people by just living the life. That's cool. But when are you going to say something? When are you going to have some guts to step out of your comfort zone? Come on, are we going to really be into this or are we just going to be kind of halfway in the bleachers like, yeah, you do the hard work. I, let me eat my popcorn. I'm Switzerland. I look pretty. My last one, number six, a great reward. A great reward. 2 Timothy 2.12 says, if we suffer with him, we will also reign with him. Hebrews 12.2, Jesus, it says of Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, thinking the shame of it was no big deal. As I just close here right now, I... I hope we're getting this message and I, I'm challenging myself today 
because when it comes time to stand for Jesus and stand against pressure and let the compassion of Christ push me past my comfort zone, be willing to take a risk, be willing to risk someone else, maybe not you know, thinking I'm cool. Is my commitment to Christ and his cause connecting me to this higher realm of his kingdom so that the price we pay is just a privilege? Am I willing to commit and get into the fray with Jesus to save a lost and dying world, even if it means a little pressure or awkwardness at times? Am I willing to get into this to the point where Jesus is like, angels, check it out. They're not being so selfish today. They're not just thinking about whether they're having a good day or a bad day. They actually care about the cause. Look at that. They're being offended and they're actually forgiving the person. Listen, when you suffer for righteousness, Jesus is dancing, you might as well join him. Might as well recognize this puts you in with him in a way that you can't experience in any other way. Now, don't go provoke it and looking for it. Don't worry, it'll come. But let's let the Lord save the world through us, no matter what it costs. Let's be that committed to it, amen? Amen. I want us to just kind of focus here for just a minute because uh, how many of you would say that these words of Jesus challenge you a little bit? Like, yeah, they challenge me. Like I say, I think, I think I'm doing better at trusting him, but rejoicing, I, you know? I'd like for us to respond to the teaching of our master today. Is the cause so important? Is it so consuming? that any price you have to pay is no big deal. I'd like for you to stand with me if you would. Please, uh, no one moving or leaving. We got a few more minutes. There's other things we're gonna do, but before we do, I wanna pray with you. And if you wouldn't mind just kind of bowing your heads, we're gonna go in prayer here just for a minute. But if you're here today and while I'm talking, you're saying, you know, I think I'm Switzerland. You know, I, I think I haven't picked a side or you know what, I think I'm actually playing for the wrong team. Like I'm not that committed to the cause of Christ to actually selflessly, compassionately save the world and destroy evil and you know, be a part of the solution rather than the problem. If you're here today, we wanna have the opportunity and, and you're saying, you know what? I think I need to commit my life to Christ. I think I need to get off the fence here. I think I need to get on the right side. I, I think I need to follow him. I, I want him to be the Lord of my life. If you're here this morning and, and you'd say, you know what, I, I, I need to get off the fence here. I need to commit to Christ. Just while we're in an attitude of prayer, before we move on, I'd like for you just to raise your hand and you're just saying, I don't wanna be Switzerland anymore. I wanna I want I want be with you, Jesus. I wanna walk with you. I wanna commit my life to you. Thank you very much. Yeah, just wherever you are, just raise your hand. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, go ahead, just lift your hand. Say, yes, thank you very much. Just say, yes, thank you over here. Wow, there's several, thank you. Thank you over here as well. You're just saying, Jesus, I, I wanna be on your side. I want you to be the Lord of my life. And I'd like to ask you that once we close, we're gonna do a few more things here. If you wouldn't mind just coming forward, giving us a chance to pray with you and talk to you and encourage you. Really love the opportunity to do that. Some of us will be here in the front right afterwards. For all of us right now, I'd like for you to join me in prayer, would you? And let's just pray a prayer of heartfelt response to this teaching of Jesus this morning. How do you feel like you'd like the Holy Spirit to let this word soak in a little bit? Would you do that with me? Just lift your hands to the Lord and let's all just respond right now. Lord Jesus, we, we're amazed by you. 
How on the cross you could say, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. How you could have such grace and mercy and love and compassion. And Lord, it's changing our lives and we know it's gonna change the world. So Lord, we just pray right now that you would cause this truth to sink into us even more, Lord. Lord, so that we would have that commitment that no matter what it costs, we're gonna follow you. No matter what it costs, we're gonna love people. No matter what it costs, we're gonna make a difference in the world we live in. Lord, I just pray that this word would be working within our hearts and lives in this season. In your name we pray, amen. God bless you. Pastor Mark's gonna come. Thank you.